The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Would a serious illness plus a vision of heaven and hell in the hereafter be enough to make you a caring and loving soul? Well, Dr. Rajiv Party. MD is a world-leading specialist in pain management, and he's our guest today. Uh, Dr. Partee is a, uh, has had over 30 years practicing clinical experience and 15 years as chief of anesthesiology at Bakersfield Heart Hospital in California, specializing in cardiac anesthesia. He founded the Pain Management Institute of California, and under his direction, it has served thousands of patients for acute and chronic pain relief. In 2008, Dr. Partee's life was turned upside down following a diagnosis of prostate cancer and enduring seven surgeries and ensuing complications over the next two years. Uh, the doctor was gifted with a near-death experience that showed him his true purpose in this lifetime, to be a healer of the soul, especially diseases of the soul, of the energy body, addiction, depression, chronic pain, and cancer. Dr. Partee, welcome to NDE Radio. Yeah, I'm very glad to be here, Lee. Oh, we're glad to have you, and and I understand you're going to be at the conference as well uh, uh, next weekend. Yeah, I'm doing three things there, a workshop, a lecture, and a, a panel discussion. Excellent. So I'll I'll be seeing you there as well. Uh, doctor, could you uh, please describe uh, your, your near-death experience for the audience? Yeah. You know, like, uh, as you mentioned, I had prostate cancer surgery in August of 2008, and that left me important. And after two years had passed, and it was not improving. So I'll be in short. The UCLA doctors implanted a device in me in December 2010 so I can have body control. And then it became infected, became severe infection going into the blood. So this is known as sepsis. So on Christmas Day in 2010, they had to do an emergency surgery to take the device out. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten better. So during the surgery, I had a near-death experience. And uh, could you describe what happened? When What did you see there? Yeah, first of all, you know what, uh, going by the operating room clock, I saw myself floating near the ceiling about 10 to 12 feet on the left side of the table. And from there, my consciousness, my essence went to different realms. While I was in the operating room, I could see everything, I could hear everything. I even heard a joke being told by anesthesiologist. And when I told the anesthesiologist that I heard this joke, then his reaction was, oh, you must have been light in anesthesia. Because I had the same experience myself as a doctor, and when patient told me the same thing, I also brushed it aside. From operating room, my consciousness traveled to a realm, which I can call it as a rim of hell. I was being beaten and I was very scared. Why am I here? What have I done? And the understanding was given to me because so far I had led a very, very selfish life. I did not care for my patients. I did not care. And emotionally, I cared for my patients technically, but not emotionally. And after I started praying and asking for help, my father showed up who had passed away about 20 years ago. And he had been abusive to me physically when I was a child, but here he comes to my rescue. And from there, 
he guided me towards a tunnel. In the tunnel, my father gave me a piece of advice, which he told me, My son, if you keep your consciousness clear and you are truthful to your own self, the divine will take care of you. While I was in the tunnel, I had review of my present life. It was like a third-person review where I could feel what the other person was feeling by my actions, good or bad. Mm. And for me, the most amazing part was that I had a review of my past life. And two past lives from that incident I remember very distinctly. One, I was a poppy farmer in Afghanistan with a henna curled beard, about 1800s, and I got addicted to this opium sap, which in this life manifested as my addiction or dependence on pain medicines following my seven surgeries. Mm. And one of the other uh, past lives was where I was a cruel prince and whipping poor farmers. And I guess that manifested in this life, my being not caring or being very selfish. From the tunnel on the other side, I was greeted by two angelic beings. Being a Hindu, I was not familiar with the angels, and they kind of telepathically induced, uh, introduced me that they were Michael and Raphael. And it made sense to me later, because Michael is the angel for strength, and Raphael is the patron saint or angel for healers and helps with healing. And they gave me knowledge and they guided, uh, guided me towards a meadows. The meadow was full of beautiful roses. I can still visualize them right now. And there was a clear stream flowing and there was a distant chant which sounded like Om and I could feel the light breeze on my ethereal body. Then I was in presence of a light being. The light being was like thousand suns at the same time, but it was not injurious to life, uh, to eyes. Mm. I felt so much of love there that is indescribable. Like I say, all my senses were soaked in love. And there I was given the understanding that it is not my time. I have to go back, but my life will be totally different. And materialism will be gone. I have to serve and share. And from there, suddenly I woke up in the recovery room. Now, I saw in another interview, um, you asked the doctor if uh, he'd given you ketamine as a yeah. as a drug because it, that can induce hallucinations. And it prompted me to wonder or to ask you, um, does uh, ketamine um, induce out-of-body experiences um, or is it different than that? Is it different yeah. than your experience? You know, ketamine is a, what is known as a dis- dissociative anesthetic. You know, it dissociates the feeling part from the body if body is being cut and it can induce hallucinations and it can give what you call a feeling of out of body experience but I looked at the medical records no ketamine was used and usually ketamine is used in small general for small surgical procedures or for burns dressing changes mm. it's hardly I've used been, in adults yeah. I've been told that the reason they don't like to use it with human beings even though vet veterinarians use it is that uh, they don't like the um, hallucination um, uh, reports that come back afterwards that, yeah. that it, that it uh, disturbs the doctors uh, and so they'd rather use something else even though ketamine is a perfectly acceptable anesthesia in other ways. Yeah, it's very true but you know like ketamine hallucination effects can be blunted by using 
benzodiazepines, and what I mean by benzodiazepines are something like Valium. You know, people are familiar with Valium, giving mm-hmm. IV Valium that blunts the hallucinations part, hallucinatory part. Now to jump to a completely different subject, um, you, uh, you you believe in karma, as I understand it. I mean, I was born and raised as a Hindu, so yeah. Yes. Um, do you think that uh, because you did have this vision of heaven, that um, that karma, even though at that time you felt your karma was not worthy of heaven, perhaps, do you think that um, uh, that there's something that bypasses karma, that that salvation is is or heaven is available to people despite how they've lived their lives? I think it's available to everyone because what I did was I prayed and I was repentant kind of and I was you know getting filled with love for my patients and my family and friends so love prayer can help overcome any karma because so, the divine is on all un- is forgiving yes so do you feel that uh, that um, because the the report of hell is generally not mentioned um, you know it happens in maybe a tenth of the cases of near-death experience reports you think that it's um, was specifically aimed at you because of um, uh, your understanding of karma, or w- was it just a? Uh, I mean, what? How do you how do you explain it? You know, I think you know, like we all have to face consequences of our actions. You know, even though the God is oh, all forgiving, unconditional love, but I still feel one has to face the consequences of our actions. You know, like I give example. Like, my mother loves me a lot, and she'll forgive me for anything I do. I know it. But if I commit a murder, I still have to face the consequences in the legal system. Yes. Similarly, I think my relationship with the divine is in that way. is totally forgiving, is unconditional. But my uh, not being lovable, not being kind to my patients especially, was contributory to my being in the hell. Do you think that's a self-imposed um, punishment, or is it something that comes from the divine? I think it's kind of self-imposed. You know, like laws of nature or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And when you had your near, when you had your life review, did you feel that um, that initial view of of hell or of punishment was warranted? Was Justified? Yeah, it was justified to some extent. I'll give you an example. I had a big pain management practice too, and mm-hmm. one about 70-year-old lady came to me for her arthritic pain. And she wanted to talk to me because her husband was dying of cancer, but I wanted to go and see the next patient, and I just wrote the prescription and walked away. And all she needed was some love and care. And now I realize love care also helps in healing. So these things were, this is just one of the examples. You know, as a, as I work as a chaplain at, at a hospital in Maine, um, I think you were not alone in that. I think many, many doctors are, behave just that way. Yep. Yes. Was that, you. was that one reason that you decided to, uh, to give up your, your practice as the chief of yeah, anesthesiology? You know, like, I, I loved my job as anesthesiologist. I was the chief of anesthesia. Though I was not kind to my patients, but technically I was very good. 
and 90% of the job or 99% of the job of an anesthesiologist is to be technically very good. But after my NDE, I did not feel at home giving anesthesia, and as I was told to be more a healer rather than being a technical physician, I made the switch. And do you think that this will change your karma, the way you're living your life now? Yeah, definitely. Because I'm well, tell us, and I'm caring. Yeah. Yes. Tell tell us uh, how your life did change and what you're doing now. You know, my life changed in every aspect, whether it was professional or it was personal. In personal, I'll give you an example. I used to live in an 11,000 square foot house on a golf course. Mm. And... I sold that house and moved to a moderate-sized house. And I even used to have a Hummer and a sports car. And now I have a Toyota Camry hybrid. So I kid with my friends. My wife, lit- my life literally and figuratively went from Hummer to hybrid. And, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, and my relationship with my boys changed. You know, I'm, I have a daughter too, but I never had problem with my daughter. And my father was abusive to me physically, including I was not physically abusive to my boys, but I was verbally abusive to to them. And that mm-hmm. really changed. I became more of a friend and more caring. I'll give you an example. My son failed his medical school exam for the second time. Normally, I would have been very angry. But this time, I sat down with him, talked to him calmly, and we came up with a solution that I will go with him to, he was in Aruba, and spend two, three months there and help him pass, rather than being screaming and not getting anywhere. So this NDE broke generations of uh, abusive behavior because my grandfather was abusive to my father and my grandfather's father was abusive to him. So mm-hmm. this is one of the examples that broke generational uh, abusive nature. Now, um, one of the things that um, uh, some uh, fundamental Christians say is that it's not what we do, but it's our faith that um, that makes God love us or gets us to heaven, however you want to put it. And yet, what you're saying seems very true to me, that our behavior has to reflect, our, our faith and, and behavior have to go hand in hand and that uh, it's very, very important how we live our lives. I and that very important. Yeah. I agree with you. How will yeah. Not just believing, you know, like not leading a good life, you know, a helpful, caring life, and then expecting God to forgive unconditionally. I think one has to live this life also the best one can. Mm-hmm. And we have a, in a way... Uh, it justifies um, the notion of reincarnation. If we can come back as better people, if we can come back and teach others how to love, that that would be a, a, a very important reason for reincarnation to exist. Yeah. You know, like uh, from my experience, I call what I discovered or they're known already is seven eternal truths. And I can enumerate a few of them. Like, first of all, with my outer body experience, that consciousness can exist outside the body. Then meeting my father was like there's life after death. And then uh, having a past life review was like 
we have a future and past lives. And then meeting the angelic beings was that there are entities, angelic entities or ascended masters or higher, higher self, which are there to help us. And then the being the presence of light being, all I felt was love, which is the core basis of all reality. And then also it gives me, because I felt in the light being that I was a part of the light being, but I was separate from the light being. The best I can describe is like ocean waves. We all are ocean waves. We are made of the same thing where ocean is made of, and we are connected to each other. That connection is very important to have in this life, that what I do affects you and what you do affects me. Do you think when we finally reach, uh, well, let's, for better word, call it enlightenment, that our waviness merges with the constancy of the light? Do we lose our identity? I believe become, that. Yeah. yeah. I believe that. You know, and that part of it comes from my experience and part it comes from my growing up in India, too. That is known as moksha, salvation. Yes. And after that, there would be no more reincarnation. Yes. Now, in the other interview, I heard uh, you say that your wife had asked why you saw Michael and Raphael and, and not some of the Hindu gods when you were there. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I got to tell what I saw. And I can't... I did some research and I talked to Dr. Moody also, Raymond Moody, the father of NDE. Yes. He says what he has found out, the people religious background does reflect in the NDEs. And in my case, I have been in the U.S. since 1982, and maybe I've got familiar with the Christian values that angels showed up. So it would be... Uh... Now, have, have you talked to other uh, Hindus who've had a near-death experiences? No, I don't know of any in my... I live in a small town, and I have not met any Hindus who had an NDE. But I've read about the books in, on NDE by Indian authors, and they described, uh, you know, Indian god of death, Yama. But did you, not, f- yeah? Did you feel that that was what you s- saw when you were going through that hell part? I think so. Interesting. Yeah. So my ND was not a Christian ND, not a Hindu ND, but it was an ND for my myself. Yes, and I, I think from other reports as well, that's that's true, because it's a universal experience, but you're going to have your own interpretation of it. Have you, have you thought at all about um, how, when your soul comes back to your body, how does your brain gain that information that... Um, that the soul brings back, because obviously your brain wasn't there along for the ride. You know, like, I believe that consciousness, first of all, can exist outside the body. It is like radio waves, and the brain is used as an instrument to interpret those radio waves and in the common day-to-day activities. Hmm. So the waves are there independent of the, or the consciousness is independent of the body or brain. It must be quite a surprise to the brain, though, when it gains the information that uh, yeah, com- that, that arrives true, back know. with. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go ahead. It was very surprising to me too, and I 
felt a lot of joy and I felt a lot of gratitude. I, I wanted to go down on my knees and thank heavens for what I had experienced. Had you, as a doctor, heard other reports of NDEs? And ha- what did you think of them before you had your own experience? You know, like I had a patient about quite many, many years ago who had a special kind of surgery where we actually freeze the patient down and there's no blood flowing, there's no blood flowing to the brain or the heart, and maximum we can keep patients in a suspended state is an hour. And that patient, after the surgery, described me what I'm describing about my own self, kind of. And then I thought, you know, he didn't get oxygen to his brain for some time, that he must be hallucinating. I was now realized so mean to him that I even prescribed him a shot of Haldol, which is an antipsychotic medicine. So I did not believe in NDEs, like, you know, like a lot of other doctors, like Evan Alexander, until it happens to your own self, then you have no choice but to believe it. Yes. Well, Evan is, is doing a lot to uh, to communicate his experience to the world, and uh, and I, I gather you are, too. Have you, have you, um, tell us about what you've written. You know, I have written, uh, I'm writing a one book right now, Dying to Wake Up. But what I have written a book right now is Soul of Wellness. In that, I describe the wellness at four levels, physical, mental, social, and spiritual. And I emphasize spiritual wellness. And it's based on 12 principles, you know, practice of love, practice of compassion, then taking care of our stress, and then finding a purpose, uh, and being connected to the spirit, so there are about 12 principles, and that's my first book on spiritual wellness. And the second and one I, is totally about my NDE and what I learned from my NDE. Like I got a mantra which I repeated and tried to practice, which is forgive, love, and heal. And this forgiveness and love starts with our own self because that is the hardest thing to do, to love your own self and to forgive your own self for something you may have done. Yes. Uh, when is that book going to be published? You know, it's going to be published October of 2015, or maybe later, because I'm still in the process of writing it. Yes. As as you write it, do you um, do you find yourself going back to your NDE? Um, you know, in your in your memory, in your mind's eye. Yeah, I can. I relive it, and actually, I have. Uh, I do a workshop also on Wake Up Now, Inc., where I believe one does not need to have an NDE to transform. The transformation is available to us right now with prayer and deep meditation. And I take uh, audience on an NDE-like trip, you know, like what I described, my NDE, like I take them through visualization, not through the hell, you know, talking about love, joy, and so the when they are back to the room, they feel that bliss and they discover their own mantra. <clears throat> Will you be um, uh, talking about that at the conference this time? Yeah, I'm doing What's... a workshop on that, on Eternal Truths. Wake up now, uh, slash Eternal Truths. That's that's great. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this conference. I think it's going to be really terrific. I, um, I think so, too. The whole conference, the topic of the conference is health and healing. Of course, it's in Newport Beach, California. 
And it starts, uh, well, starts on Thursday, August 28th, yep. runs through the weekend. So if, if anyone is interested, I'll put a little plug in for the IONS conference right here, uh, in meeting Dr. Party and, uh, and me and many, many other people who have had amazing experiences. They should, um, they should get onto the IONS uh, website, IANDS.org and, and sign up. Um, where, um, where do you want to go with um, with this? Besides your books, you must be um, uh, trying to reach out in other ways as well. Yeah, you know, other ways is you know one to one personal uh, coaching. I never become their physician, but as a healer, you know that especially addiction is very much a, what I call a disease of the soul because one loses connection with our own true being. And one is trying to fulfill fulfill that void by using substances. And if one develops connection to the divine, that need for outside substances disappears. And even if one looks at the famous 12 steps, one of the steps is surrendering to the divine that I give up, I cannot do it on my own. You know, spiritual transformative experience is what helps people overcome addictions. Yes. I think it's so interesting that you saw a former life in which you were a, a, an opium grower and a, and a consumer uh, to to have remembered that, and then in this life to become an anesthesiologist. Just uh, it seems like such a a clear picture of how our our former lives relate to our current life. I agree. You know, they do relate, but there things can be broken. You know, that nature which is continuing can be broken. You know, by love. And prayer and meditation. The uh, problem is, of course, to get people to re- to recognize that uh, what they can gain from love and prayer and uh, yeah, y- and meditation. And, and I find, as a chaplain, that when I tell people about um, NDEs and related stories of uh, out of body experience, how interested they are in that. You know, even if, even atheists, even people who've got no religious background at all find, yeah. find these stories fascinating and uh, sometimes moving. Yeah, very moving and very transformative. You know, like uh, people who didn't have an NDE and those who still attend the ND workshops or come to the conferences, they get transformed too just by hearing to the different stories. Do you see a time when there'll be enough, um, uh, people who've had NDEs, because millions of people have had NDEs, that that we will change the whole consciousness of of the world because of this experience, because of the shared experience. Yeah, um, you know, we are slowly and slowly reaching a critical mass of, and people are not any more scared. As you mentioned, one of the things is like, as a physician, I was scared to talk to my friends, what they will ridicule me or make fun of me, but. Dr. Alexander is spreading the world and is taking the lead. So a lot of other people will come out with their NDEs, which they have suppressed, or, you know, in some corner of their brain. And, and do you see... Yeah. I was just going to say, and do you see any way we can accelerate it because the world right now is in such bad shape? I think so we can by practice of love. You know, for me, the main message was practice of love. And by practicing love among ourselves, then at the national level, you know, starts at the lower level, you know, individual level, then a lot of the problems can be solved. 
Doctor, how, uh, if people wanted to find out more about you and, and your writing and so forth, how could they get in touch with you or do you have a website? Yeah, I have a website and it's very easy to remember, www.drparti.com. My last name, you know, it sounds like party in American pronunciation. Instead of Y, it is I for India. So that's the easiest way to remember, drparty.com. Very good. Very good. Well, Doctor, I, I think we're out of time, unfortunately, but I'm looking forward to um, to meeting you and hearing you at uh, the conference this coming weekend. And, oh, thank uh, you. I it wanted, was my want, pleasure to be here. I wanted to thank you so much for a very interesting discussion. Um, and uh, to the audience, uh, I'd like to uh, invite you once again um, to uh, get on the IANS website. Please check that website at iands.org because there'll be information on that site about our upcoming Labor Day weekend conference on NDE's Health and Healing in Newport Beach, California. And that runs uh, from Wednesday, uh, Thursday, the August 28th through the 31st. And I look forward to seeing you all there. Thanks for listening. <laughs>